New, new, new black, new, new black Wall Street book club. Evan Jefferson, brother, much love. Educating, elevating, because in knowledge is the power and we'll never give it up. <laughs> Literature is for the masses. Where to put your money down the how to watch your assets. Yeah, uplifting others is a passion. My brother Evan, he will turn it into action. New Black Wall Street Book Club. You should come read with come us. Read with us. Yeah, we comprehend and discuss. Yeah. If we all just come together, there's no limit for there's us. No limit for us. <laughs> Here comes your host, New Black Wall Street. Evan, take it away. New Black Wall Street Book Club. Welcome to the New Black Wall Street Book Club, where black folk do read. If you put it in a book, we absolutely will find it. I'm your host, ERGJ, your certified financial educator, CEO of ERGJ Enterprises, ERGJ Black Bazaar, and international best selling author of the book. The Black Billionaires Club. It's a study of black wealth. It's a study of the 12 richest black people in the world today and how they built their wealth. And I just believe that if you want to be wealthy, you should study wealthy people. We can find that book by going to the website www.theblackbillionairesclub.com www.theblackbillionairesclub.com You'll find that link in the description above or below. Our affirmation of the day, in case you missed it earlier, is simply this. I now know that it makes a big difference in life, whether I live and learn or just live. Uh, let me repeat that again for you. I, I now know that it makes a big difference in life, whether I live and learn or just live. The affirmation of the day, you can repeat after me and get this in your spirit and allow this thing to grow and develop as you repeat it over and over and over again until it brings forth a harvest in your life. The key component of this, and I would say, is live and learn. Never stop learning. Repeat after me for those that want to get this affirmation tonight on September 4th. I now know. That it makes a big difference in life, in my life. Whether I live and learn or just live. We'll do it one more time for the people on the back. Make sure to be able to get it. Our affirmation of the day. Our affirmation of the day. Repeat after me. And this time say it with some conviction. I now know. That it makes a big difference in life, my life, whether I live and learn or just live. Kings and queens, I must ask you this question. Are you cool with just living? Or are you saying, you know what? That ain't good enough. I must live and learn. I believe something happens if we choose to learn. Because at this point, for many of us in our life, it's a choice. A choice to learn. Uh, there's something that happens. As you learn, you get a chance to grow and develop. As you learn, you get to experience new, the newness of life. As you live and learn, you get a chance to avoid past mistakes. 
It makes a difference. Would you agree that it makes a big difference whether you live and learn or whether you just live? And it is an interesting thing. I'm pretty sure that we know plenty of people who've chosen to just live. And the cool thing is we all got free will. That's their choice. But tonight, as we are going to find out, those that are tuning in, you've made a choice to live and learn because you're going to learn today here on the New Black Wall Street Book Club. That's our appetizer. That's our affirmation of the day. We're going to get... A quick word from our sponsor. Don't just buy black, decorate black. ERGJ Black Bazaar is the Afrocentric marketplace, and we specialize in urban home decor. Anything from shower sets to wall tapestries to duvet cover sets, you can decorate your entire home with original black art-inspired gifts. Check us out at www.ergjblackbazaar.com, www.ergjblackbazaar.com. ERGJ Black Bazaar, the Afrocentric marketplace. We make group economics easy. In today's episode of the New Black Wall Street Book Club, we continue along in our journey into the book, What Makes the Great Great? Strategies for Extraordinary Achievement by Mr. Dennis P. Kimbrough. What Makes the Great Great? Strategies for Extraordinary Achievement by Mr. Dennis Kimbrough. right to the meat. We're going to be finishing up chapter six today of What Makes the Great Great, a book written by a black author, Mr. Dennis P. Kimbrough. And we're moving into a section called The Failure to Apply the Greatest Secret. If you were with us the other night, our last episode, uh, we covered uh, the land of milk and honey. Uh, we, we covered... You know, as we talked about, will you master money? Will money master you? And we're in the second in the chapter that's talking about the greatest secret that you are already rich. Everybody put in the comments, so I am already rich. That you are already rich. The biggest thing that we must begin to understand is how not to waste our wealth. It's not that the wealth doesn't come to our hand. It's that we abuse it instead of use it wisely. So one of the things that we must get under control is to stop wasting our wealth or stop wasting our economic power and so the failure to apply the greatest secret the greatest secret being that you are already rich let's read phil knight uh, was a mediocre miler in college his best time for the event was four minutes and 13 seconds a knight had trained under the watchful eye of bill bowerman the renowned university of oregon track coach during the late 1950s, Bowerman's training techniques placed little-known Eugene, Oregon, on the map when year after year he turned out a bevy of world record-setting long-distance runners. In an effort to improve the times of his athletes, he toyed, toyed with running shoes. Their improvement became his silent passion. The innovative coach had theorized that slicing even an ounce of a runner's cleats might just prove the critical difference between winning and losing. While completing an MBA at Stanford University, uh, Phil Knight wrote a research paper based on this theory that the Japanese could do for of uh, that that the Japanese could do for another for could do for for athletic shoes what they had done for cameras. Convinced by his ideas, Nick Knight 
took off for Japan, hoping to corner the domestic rights for Tiger running shoes. Upon returning home, he shared samples with his ex-coach as they made plans to set up shop. In 1964, Knight and Bowerman even scraped up $500 and formed the Blue Ribbon Sports Company, sole U.S. distributor of Tiger equipment. Strapped for cash, Knight placed their small inventory in, their father's in his father-in-law's basement and peddled his wares at night and on the weekends to high school athletic teams. By year end, sales had approached $8,000. Hardly enough for him to justify quitting his full-time accounting job, but Knight's dream rested on larger goals. How many of you guys got a dream that rests on larger goals? So at this point in time, Phil Knight, he didn't have he didn't have the proof yet that, you know what, it's time for me to quit my job. But his dreams rested on larger goals. He knew he was a big fish in a small pond. The sports shoe market was new, wide open, and seemingly inexhaustible. Up to this point, Adidas, a West German corporation, has been the innovator in athletic equipment and later ancillary apparel. Although the European firm had set the standard that subsequently was followed uh, by the most of its competitors, it had drastically misjudged the potential and opportunity of the 1970 athletic boom. Even U.S. manufacturers like Converse and Kez were caught napping. Knight and Bowerman could hardly sit still. The next year, they gambled everything and decided to go after a large share of the American market by developing their own shoe. Bowerman, even the tinkerer, fashioned a waffle iron and urethane rubber together to produce a more durable cushioned sole. The new waffle sole proved popular and exceeded expectations, pushing full blast. They contracted much of the work abroad to mostly Asian factories, adopted the swoosh logo, and called their product Nike. After the Greek goddess of victory, in 1980, Nike went public. Shooting Knight's net worth to $300 million. Bowerman, had, who had long since retired, sold most of his stock and opted for a more relaxed lifestyle far removed from corporate boardrooms and shoe wars. So we're talking about the development of a multi-billion dollar company called Nike, which was Phil Knight applying the greatest secret that he was already rich. So they created a new waffle soul and Bowman retired. And that was the failure to apply the greatest secret. Next section. Change the color of your thinking. And this is going to be the title of our broadcast here tonight. Change the color of your thinking. Change the color of your thinking. Phil Knight and Bill Bowerman saw what those of a lesser vision didn't see and rode the crest of a booming industry. But the athletic shoe market is still booming, propped up by black dollars. More than a handful of the entrepreneurs I spoke with questioned and even displayed displeasure as to why some budding black businessman or woman doesn't go after the same market that was and is so lucrative to Knight and Bowerman. What's the problem? One of the entrepreneurs in this study snapped. 
We've held on too long to that old saw about being twice as good and only moving half as far. If those black corporate types and would-be entrepreneurs really believe they were twice as good, then why don't they leave these safe, cushy jobs to form their own firms and gain the full benefits of their wisdom and superiority? Great question, by the way. Another spoke undaunted and without discomfort. In a population of 30 million and a shoe market somewhere in the billions of dollars, I refuse to believe that not a single black businessman or woman will step forward. We are just throwing money away. One entrepreneur, Starworth, was just as perturbed. He ruefully summarized a deeper internal problem, the lack of black support for black business. There's another type of black-on-black -black violence taking place on American streets, he said, testily. These acts of aggression are just as deadly and just as much uh, and just as much a waste of human potential. But the media never airs it and very few within the race bother to address it. I'm talking about middle class blacks who have turned their backs on small black businessmen and women fighting for survival. He went on to add that black America has a primary responsibility of developing its own economic power based the way other groups have done in the past. Let me repeat that again. This is a comment from a brother, whoever was in this this uh, 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 this panel. He says, "I'm talking about middle class blacks who have turned their backs on small black businessmen and women fighting for survival." He went on to add that Black America has the primary responsibility of developing its own. Everybody putting the comments on own, developing our own economic power base the same way other groups have done in the past it's our responsibility it's our responsibility do you think America likes the Japanese better than us hell no they are forced to deal with the Japanese because of their economic muscle. The Japanese harbor strong bias for their race. They pool their funds, they support their institutions, they learn everything they can and utilize Japanese resources first. 50 years ago, they came to this country without a quarter. No one would do business with them. They Did they march or picket or pass a civil rights bill? No. They stared corporate America in the face and snarl. You can run, but you can't hide. Uh, the next thing you know, they bought major stakes in every city of importance in the nation. Furthermore, he added, they could care less if some company ever hired them. If something isn't quite to their liking, they just go in and buy huge shares of the enterprise in question. Look at Universal Studios. Look at Columbia Pictures. Look at IBM. They analyze every challenge from a purely economic point of view. They think in terms of business first and politics never. As a matter of fact, their economics is their politics. Lastly, another interviewee who insisted upon anonymity sat back in his creaky old swivel chair shaking his head in disbelief. As a people, we're three times the size of Sweden and damn near three times as wealthy. The Swedes produce a car and sell it across the globe. We don't even make a lousy pair of gym shoes. Why sugarcoat the truth? Though we can't change the color of our skin, we sure can change the color of our thinking. Everybody put it down below, change the color of your thinking. We sure can change the color of our thinking. 
Now, again, guys, here at the New Black Wall Street Book Club, as I, as I always protest, the main reason why we do this is to help people to change the way that they think. Because once you begin to change the way that you think, you can then begin to change the way that you act. Once you begin to change the way that you act, you can change the way that you live. Once you change the way that you live, you change the results that you get in life. And so wherever you are right now in your life, if there's something that you don't like, it's something that you think you feel needs to be better, it's going to require first for you to change the way that you think. And then things can get better. If you get better, things will get better. And we're talking here about buying black clearly, but... I find it interesting that a lot of people who profess buy black, they don't buy black themselves. It's a great hashtag. But when you look at their spending habits, you rarely see them spending their money with black institutions. It's one of the great hypocrisies that we have in our community. A lot of people that are pushed for the movement don't move themselves. So we got a lot of hypocritical people who represent our brand, our community itself. Uh, interesting to say the least. So change the color of your thinking. A quick word from our sponsor. So a question from a white liberal to black leaders, and it's gonna wrap up our section here. We will see what this got to say because we're gonna be finishing up uh, with chapter six tonight. A question from a white liberal to black leaders. This should be interesting. So not long ago, I received a letter from a minister who had, a re who had read a New York Times article in which I quoted extensively on success and wealth. After reading my comments, he felt compelled to write entitling his letter a question from a white liberal to black leaders. It read, in part, August 15, 1995, a question from a white liberal to black leaders. Dr. Kimbrough, instead of holding out the tin cup to Washington, D.C., a futile gesture these days, why hasn't your race organized, everybody putting comments on organized, why hasn't your race organized the cash assets of black celebrities? Mainly athletes and entertainers. Why is it that Arabs and Koreans and other immigrants barely off the boat, unable to speak the language, often dominate the retail trade, including the vital food stores in long-settled black communities. No capital. We don't buy that anymore. Your celebrities' annual salaries and bonuses run into the hundreds of millions combined. Why no summit meetings of these rich and powerful African Americans where they could pull their resources to help their struggling brothers and sisters? Why not this real grassroots, down-home affirmative action? Today in our inner cities, there are many thousands of black youths literally dying for a lack of a job in black-owned and operated stores while they endlessly, mindlessly dribble a basketball dreaming of the NBA. Many Americans, rightly or wrongly, themselves hard-pressed, feel that black America must now look to its own bootstraps to affect its economic revolution. White liberals like myself applauded in 1954 when the all-white Supreme Court and the Brown decision, Brown decision started the educational revolution. We marched with, with King and Selma in Washington, D.C. We marched and worked with Dr. King for the political revolution under Lyndon B. Johnson. 
but we cannot and will not fund and operate stores offering life's necessities in black communities when there is money and ability enough within them. Your economic revolution must come from within. The economic revolution. Your economic revolution must come from within. If black America fails to galvanize its resources and enhance its own economic development, it will miss a unique point in history, one that it may not be able to capture again. This was written in 1995. A white man, a white liberal, concerned about the economic development of black folk. And he's asking questions. He may not have an understanding. A lot of you make a lot of money. But you guys don't organize. You don't work together. I mean, it sounds like me saying, that's crazy. <laughs> what are y'all doing? What is going on? Why are you guys still asking for handouts when people within your very own community make plenty of money that they can, they can furnish and finance whatever your community needs? If they ever decided they wanted to put something together and be community-based, I guess. How blind we are. In the midst of it all, uh, the wealthiest country on the face of the earth. How we underestimate everything. How we search high and low for a king to serve, but for whom to fall on our knees in abject subjection. Someone, anyone other than ourselves, to provide us with answers and solutions. Tell us what to do. We shout. Show us the way we are helpless without you. We can no longer say, why don't they do something? Instead, we must say, here's what I'm going to do. Here's what I'm doing to solve the problem. Well, here's my question to you, kings and queens, tonight. What are you doing to solve the problem? Uh, we can no longer say, why don't they do something? Instead, we must say, here's what I'm doing to solve the problem. Here's what I'm doing. And I said this earlier, Kings and Queens. I just simply said, hey, I'm going to do my part. And my question is, well, do you do your part? Because if I do my part, you do your part, we do our part, there are no parts missing. But if I do my part, you don't do your part, there's still some parts missing. Or if you, I do my part, you do your part, but she don't do her part, there's a part missing. But if I do my part, you do her part. She does her part. There's no parts missing. See, what's missing from our equation is that everybody doing their part and everybody answering this question, for real, what are you doing to solve the problem? What are you doing? This letter is a rebel call to individual action. Each of us must be willing to take responsibility for the manner in which we spend, consume, and direct our assets. Greatness is in the man and woman or nowhere. The old golden opportunity we seek lies within ourselves. Behold, I've set before you an open door which no man can shut. No matter who you are, regardless of your race or background, if you truly wish to change the color of your thinking from want to wealth. Everybody putting God's on from want to wealth. Hey, you want to go from want to wealth. I no longer want. I'm, I'm not operating in want. I'm operating in wealth. Because I'm already rich. 
I probably just need to do be, be a better steward of what comes into my hand. So to change your color of thinking, uh, to go from want to wealth, from survival to success, then you must make it a point to apply the nine disciplines of wealth in your life. Uh, make a decision to apply the greatest secret in your affairs. Remember, wealth is not an amount, but a habit, uh, an act, an idea, a discovery, an attitude. Wealth is an attitude that fuels the desire to become a person of deep value, an achievement, an attitude that provides you with a constant sense of joy, an attitude that allows you to be happy with what you have as you pursue what you want. Wealth flows from the fully developed mind regardless of the size of the bank account. Clarify your thinking today. Uh-oh. Clarify your thinking today. Find your true vocation today. Hone your sales skills today. Serve today. Read and study today. And begin to save 10% of your earnings today. Begin to spot and seize opportunities wherever and whenever they exist. Now, I got a wonderful uh, message today, my beautiful people. Uh, and sometimes you just, you really don't know who the impact that you're making on people until sometimes these people validate the impact that you're making. So this afternoon, I got a message uh, from, a, from a close friend, uh, a member of our group, and you know what she said to me? She simply said, you know what? I started my savings plan. And I've already saved $100. Now, for many people, that might not be a whole lot. But that was big to me. Because this is somebody that I've been connected to for quite a while. And I love to see the people who I'm connected with. I love to see them make what? Progress. She said, I started my savings plan. I started saving, and I've already saved a hundred dollars. Do you know the kind? Of, you know the kind of, you know that how that made me feel. You know the kind of smile that put on my face uh, to know that, however long it's been, it doesn't matter. That from all of the uh, lives and all of the content that I put out, and all of the, the teaching and the training and all that stuff that we do. To see someone make tangible steps, to see someone make progress in their own way, that's one of the greatest joys I can I can that ever comes. Because to be a part of someone else's success, to be a part of someone else's progress, to be a part of someone's journey from want to wealth, to see someone to go from being in debt to being out of debt, to be a part of that. That's something that's much bigger than money itself. And I want you guys to understand that, as he said, it's not about the amount of money in your bank account. It's an attitude. And that message that came to me today, it helped my attitude. You know what it said to me? Your efforts are not in vain. You're doing a good job. Keep up the good work. 
no matter how small you think it is, you are making a good difference. That's what that message did for me today. It helped me to reshape my attitude. How many of you guys have been in a position where you've been doing something, you've been working at it, you've been doing it for so long, but it, it just never really seemed like you were making the impact or, or making the difference that you hoped that you would make it. It just never really seemed like it on the surface. And then you get that message or that call or someone to reach out or that recommendation or that feedback or that referral. And you realize things are not as they seem. There are things that are happening that I may not be able to see with my natural eye, but there are things that are happening in the spirit realm that are validating the efforts that I'm putting in. And it is impossible for me to uh, for me to uh, avert or to supersede the, the, the laws of the universe that I will reap what I sow. And then you begin to understand and look at the things that you've been sowing. The seeds that you've been sowing across the land. The opportunities that you have created for other people. The way in which you have served. And then you connect the dots. You say, ah, God is good. All the time. And all the time, God is good. I want you to understand, kings and queens, that there are things that are happening right now that have nothing to do with what you can or cannot see with your physical eye. But you must begin to learn how to tap into your spiritual sight, vision. To be able to recognize that all things are working together for your good. You just got to keep going. There are times where I look at some things, I'm like, man, is it time to change? No. Because success doesn't always show up the way that you hoped it to see it. Progress doesn't always show up the way that you hoped to see it. I may have been looking for progress for myself, but shoot, because I'm connected to somebody that has made some progress because of what I do, for me, that's progress. How about for you? Is what you're doing or what you're involved in, is it only about you? Or is it about the improvement, the development, the progression of others? Are you here for yourself? Or are you here to serve in some capacity? I'm going to read this again. Because it first starts by saying, make a decision. Everybody put in comments on a decision. It all begins with a decision. Make a decision to apply the greatest secret in your affairs. So if you miss any of this episode, any of this uh, any of these uh, uh, episodes that relates to chapter six, go back and listen to them. Check out our podcast, okay? Our New Black Wall Street Book Club across all different platforms. Remember, wealth is not an amount but a habit, an act, an idea, a discovery, an attitude. Everybody put in comments, oh, wealth is an attitude. Wealth begins really in the mind. 
I, I, I was wealthy in my mind long before I was wealthy in my wallet. I could see it before I could see it. Matter of fact, many of you guys understand this philosophy because you spend your money before you spend it. Before you get your paycheck, you already think about where you're going to spend your money. Then you get your paycheck, you go spend it, now you're broke. So we understand this concept uh, that I can see it before I see it because many of us have learned how to spend it before we can spend it. <laughs> we just do it. We just not. We just. We just not using the law to our benefit. I, I spend it before I can spend. It. I'm already there. I'll get paid on Fridays. Friday coming up. I get paid on Friday, man. Where am I gonna spend my money? You spending it before you spend it. But I can see it before I can see it. Wealth began in my mind, so I've been wealthy in my mind long before I wealthy in my wallet. My wallet just had to catch up to my thinking. My wallet just had to catch up to my attitude. My bank account just had to catch up to my mentality. Same thing for you. Your money is simply having to catch up. It's a little behind. But it follows. Your wealth follows it's in trail position. It follows your attitude. It follows your thought process. It follows the disciplines that you commit or that you decide to implement into your life. It's an attitude that fuels the desire to become a person of deep value and achievement. It's an attitude that provides you with a constant sense of joy, an attitude that allows you to be happy with what you have as you pursue what you want. That's an attitude of gratitude, by the way. Wealth flows from the fully developed mind regardless of the size of the bank account. Clarify your thinking today. Your thinking today. Find your true vocation today. Seeking your find. Hone your sales skills today. You must become a better salesman to sell, to, 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 to sell, to persuade, to introduce your idea to other people. Find your, uh, I'm sorry, uh, serve today. Read and study today exactly what we're doing right now. And begin to save 10% of your earnings today. That's so critical. If you never learn, not even just learn, if you never actually do, what you learn. You never apply this. That you're going to begin to save 10% of all that you're you being to pay yourself. If you never do that, you just decide, I'm not, I heard it before, it sounds good, I'm just not, I'm just, I, I still ain't learned how to figure out how to implement. If you never learn how to implement this one principle into your life, you will always, you will never be truly financially independent. Because you've never put anything away that can work for you. You're always working for it. And the only reason why you're always working for it, because you want to you don't apply this simple principle. This is it, would you not say that this is simple? It's simple to understand. Now I'm not saying it's easy for you to do, although I think it's simple and easy. I'm saying, hey, first and foremost, can we agree that it's simple to understand? Pay myself first. Pay myself 10% of everything that I earn. It comes in, I pay myself, I put it into another account, 10%. Whatever it is. If it's a dollar, I get a dime. If it's a hundred dollars, I get ten dollars. Doesn't matter. I want us to understand that the discipline of wealth begins with learning to pay yourself first. Here's my question to you. Aren't you worth it? 
if $100 came into your wallet right now, came into your paycheck right now, aren't you, at, of all the work that you did to get that $100, are you not worth at least $10? If not more, if not the whole $100, are not you, your efforts, your enthusiasm, your intellect, your experience, your, your knowledge, your, your work ethic, is it not at least at, it worth at least $10 out of the $100 that just came into your hand? Are you not worth 10% at least of what you have worked for? Now, it's the interesting thing is because once you begin to do that, it begins to multiply. It begins to compound. There's a compounding effect on the habits and the disciplines that you decide to implement in your life. So although it's the same 10%, it gradually grows over time because it's a habit that you implement into your life. Now you got a wide, you got a you got a storehouse that you can uh, that you can uh, you become your own bank. You got a storehouse, a storehouse of uh, you got a Fort Knox back over here because you've been doing the same principle, paying yourself first every day, every week, every paycheck, whatever the case may be, for the past five years. How much has that grown into? The $5, the $10, the $50, $100, whatever it is. I don't know how much you make. But are you not worth at least you, a human being here on earth, at least 10% of what you earn? Are you not worth that? See, I think there's a value system problem that we have. And now some people have never heard this before. They never heard, nobody's ever taught you to, to, to save 10% or to pay yourself 10% of what you earn. I get that. But I think understanding it is simple. And, and we understand it, but then, okay, what, what about the application part? Because that requires what? That requires change. I got to be willing to change to align myself with the disciplines of wealth. That's what the key is. It's not just what, it's not, it's not, it starts with you wanting or desiring to be wealthy. And that's an attitude. That's the attitudes of wealth. But then the attitudes that you have must align with the disciplines. And the disciplines require what? Learning. I got to learn what I don't know. I got to learn the disciplines of wealth in order to acquire the wealth and to take it from being an attitude to actuality. A value system that says, you know what? I'm worth I mean, I, shoot. I, I mean, I'm more valuable than than than, than General Electric. I, I'm more valuable, uh, you know, than, than all these creditors that I have to pay. I, I'm, a, I'm at least where I'm gonna I'm gonna keep some for myself. I, I mean, I may have put myself in a hole. I might be wherever I am right now financially, but at the end of the day, I'm learning this thing right now, and, and I'm gonna I'm gonna pay myself. I mean, somebody else might not get paid. Okay, and I might have to deal with that, but I'm gonna start putting that penny away out of that dollar. I'm gonna start putting that dime away out of that. I'm gonna put that penny away out of that ten cent. I'm gonna put that dime away out of that dollar. I'm gonna put that dollar away out of that ten dollar. I'm gonna I'm going to practice. Everybody putting on some hashtag practice. I am making a. I'm gonna make a commitment to practice the disciplines of wealth. I'm tired of being broke. And if this is a, a system or principles that I can follow and I can test them out to see that they're true, I'm willing to garner the wisdom of the ages. Because this stuff been around for thousands of years. It ain't nothing new. 
It may be new to you. It may be new to us. Maybe the first time we're hearing it. But it's been around for thousands of years. I mean, they did a good job of hiding it for thousands of years. And we just not coming across it, okay? They did a good job of hiding something because they put it in a book. A discipline of wealth. Matter of fact, I'm going to have to take it. I'm going to say, you know what? I'm going to have to start teaching the, on the nine disciplines of wealth. I'm going to borrow something from Dr. Skinner Kimbrough, borrow something from Napoleon Hill, borrow from George Clayson, the nine disciplines of wealth. All right, that's going to be something I'm going to create and teach on. There's, no, there's nothing new under the sun. Begin to spot and seize opportunities where and whenever they exist. When you realize that you do not need to look outside yourself for your needs, that the source of all supply, everybody bring out so all, the source of all supply, the divine spring that will quench any thirst, that it lies within, then you shall not want. How many guys want to be in a position where you shall not want? And you realize that everything that you have wanted, everything that you desire, it springs from within. All supply. Everything that you need. It's already in you. You need only to dig deep into your consciousness to tap into your infinite supply. When you have faith enough and all that has been written to spend your last dollar with the same confidence and assurance that you would if you had thousands more, then you have grasped the greatest secret. I want you to hear that again. When you have faith enough and all that has been written to spend your last dollar with the same confidence and assurance that you would if you had a thousand more, then you have grasped the greatest secret. I want to talk about this for a second and we'll wrap this thing up. Think about what he just said for a second. The author just said he said, hey, here's your last dollar. And because you have tapped into the great supply, the great wealth, the God, the divine that's within you, you understand that although this is your last physical dollar that you hold in your hand, this is not the last dollar that you will acquire. And so you have the same confidence and assurance of spending that last dollar, quote unquote, as you did if you had thousands more in the bank right now. It's something interesting, man. How does it feel when you know you got $1,000, $2,000, $10,000 in the bank? But then we get to a place where we ain't got nothing in the bank and this is our last dollar. He said, man, when you grasp the understanding that you have infinite supply on the inside, that you can tap into this infinite supply at any point in time that you decide that this thing, you have the power to create wealth, that this last physical dollar, quote unquote, is not your last dollar. The same way that your first dollar wasn't your only dollar. How many guys have been in a position where you had to make a decision to, to spend your last and you realize now, you look back on it, you're like, I'm still here. I was broke as a joke. I spent the, my last on whatever that is that you spent your last on. You thought it was over. You thought, man, I don't know where the next paycheck, the next meal, the next whatever. How many guys been in a position where you've been so broke you didn't know where the next was coming from? But guess what? You're still here. See, there's, there's something that we must learn from our times of brokenness or brokenness. Because even though, even during those times, it doesn't necessarily have to affect our attitude of wealth. 
that all things are possible to him who believes. That I have everything I need. And I can tap into this source of unlimited supply. I want to talk about the supply for a second. Because it's important for us to understand this supply. The supply. The infinite supply. The un Everybody putting God's on unlimited. The unlimited supply. What is that supply? Think about it. It's unlimited energy. That's one thing is unlimited. It's unlimited energy that you can tap into the source of your inside, the, the power that's within you, to tap into the energy that you need to function, to go out, to get up, get out, get up, get out and get something. You have, uh, you have, you have a power source that gives you unlimited energy. Right? Unlimited. Not that you don't get tired. I'm just saying. I mean, there have been times. How many guys have been in a position where you've been tired? I mean, you've been like, okay, I, I just been, whoo, it's been like a long day. But then something comes up and you get a you get a, a boost of energy that allows you to go do the next thing and finish that. Like I'm doing right now. I'm, I'm dog tired, but I got some energy. I done tapped into the supply because I'm doing something that's serving others. And that brings me joy and brings me energy. So although I'm a little tired and I'm probably going to pass out after I finish this, I done tapped into unlimited supply of energy to still be able to serve my people. What else is unlimited? There's unlimited wisdom to help us to make better decisions if we want. We can tap into the power source. There's unlimited wisdom. Don't you know that wisdom leads to wealth? Unlimited. There's no limit to the wisdom that's available to you and I. Now, eventually we get to a place. Now, we can't say that on the on this natural realm, but we get to a place where we realize that we have unlimited time. Not unlimited time to do what we need to do here on the earth, but for some of us, we understand we are eternal beings. We're only limited by our time being here on the earth, but we really have unlimited time. Is, time is of no importance to an internal soul. It's only relevant while we're living here on this earthly plane. Would you agree? There's only important to a person. It's of no relevance to an internal soul. It's only relevant while we're living in our bodies in this earthly realm. Another thing you have. That's not unlimited energy, not just an unlimited wisdom. You have unlimited power. Unlimited power there's something to be said about the power so that comes into play that, that gives you strength when you need it courage when you need it to be able to tap in to the power source that's within when you have faith enough in all that has been written to spend your last dollar with the same confidence and assurance that you would if you had thousands more. Then you have grasped the greatest secret. And what's the greatest secret, you might ask? As we found out in this chapter, chapter 6, and what makes the great great? The greatest secret is that you are already rich. You are all, you are all ready rich.
is the New Black Wall Street Book Club, where black folk do read. If you put in a book, we absolutely will find it. Now, I'm your host, ERGJ, your certified financial educator, and we invite you to join the Black Billionaires Club. Get connected with brothers and sisters who are serious about winning with money, serious about success, and super serious about helping you to accomplish your goals and to build your dreams. Check out the website at www.theblackbillionairesclub.com, www.theblackbillionairesclub.com. You can find that link in the description above or below. Make a decision to change the rest of your life. We'd ask that you would subscribe and support this podcast with a small monthly donation to help us sustain future episodes to improve financial literacy within our community and ultimately to help us to build the School of Wealth, to build an institution that will teach the next generation about money and your small monthly contribution can make all the difference. Well, it says, well, we want to say thank you so much for tuning into this episode of the New Black Wall Street Book Club. We want you to remember this, that it takes a village and it starts with us. Let's build as we climb together. We all we got, people. And thank God that that's more than enough. Until next episode, you know what time it is. Mr. DJ, hit the music. New, new, new black, new. It's the new black Wall Street book club. Wall Street. With your host, Evan Jefferson. Evan Jefferson. It's time for us to go. Yeah. Now you ain't got to leave the computer, but we encourage you to get out there and learn and apply all the things you learn at the new black Wall Street. Book club, book club. <laughs> yeah. New Black Wall Street.